ಸಹನಾವತಿಮಸ್ತಮಾಶಾವಹೈ Welcome everyone to today's class. As some of you may know, um, I contracted COVID last weekend. It's COVID positive. Hence, I woke up with a headache and a fever. But I'm here a week later. So nothing to worry about. I was speaking to one of my friends uh, who used to be in the ashram with me and he said, uh, what's it like getting COVID? And uh, I said, the best way I can explain it is in the night when you go to sleep. It's like there's a Mahabharat going on within you. There's a battle going on within you. So he said to me, Yes, but you were okay. You had Krishna with you. I said, yes, I was vaccinated. Hence, I'm okay. So I thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> Which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, Niksha, it's funny. <laughs> so it's like Mahabharat going on within you. Like a battle in your body. So today's class... We continue with uh, chapter 21, that Dawat. The theme is Brahman, God, the self. Everything we have studied so far is to prepare us to get some understanding of these four aphorisms we studied last class, four statements. And these statements are a message to us from these self-realized souls to say, this is the truth. This is the truth of life. And those four aphorisms, statements, first one, Pratnanam Brahma. It states, Brahman is consciousness. It's pure consciousness. that one whole second statement is tatvamasi that thou art brahman is consciousness which is what you are that thou art the third statement i am atma brahma i am atma brahma this self is brahman and the fourth statement is aham brahmasmi i am brahman so these four statements is the the message the truths of life which we have forgotten and this whole philosophy of vedanta is for us to understand this life's mission is to realize this 
So what's stopping us to get to this state, anyone? What is stopping us? Just This is just a recap from two classes ago, last class. What's stopping us understanding this messages? What's keeping, our, keeping us away from these messages, these truths of life? Can anyone remember? Yeah, Kevin? Uh, was it attachment? Uh, attachment to the world. Attachment to the world is what's stopping us. We're attached to everything in the world. Our focus is on the world. We don't know anything else. Someone's mic is on. So these four statements is like someone telling us, look, take your focus away from the world and attach yourself to these Four truths of life. Statement of fact. Brahman is consciousness. Everything is Brahman. The foundation of the world, everything in it. The second one, that thou art, that Tomasi is advice to the seekers. You are that consciousness. You are that Brahman. You are pure consciousness. And the third one is how to practice this advice. I am Atma Brahma. Confirms that the Atman self in us is Brahman. That one Brahman that is all pervading. Do not forget that until you realize the truth. It's a constant awareness that I am Atma Brahman, the self. I am not this individual. I am the self, Brahman, God. If you understand that, your focus is on that, nothing will bother you in life. You're not affected by anything. Life becomes fun, a joy to live. See, when you get COVID, I got COVID last weekend. I could either identify with my body, mind, intellect saying, what will happen to me? How am I going to suffer? All these people dying in the world. What's going to happen to me? And then I can suffer. by my attachment to my body, mind, intellect. Or I can think of the self and think, this body, this mind, this intellect is fleeting, passing. It's not real. I am the self. Why am I bothered? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So this is how you can change your life, your outlook to life. What's your focus on? And then the final one, Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahman, I am God. Statement of experience. You are God. You are not this person you think you are. You are the I in I am tall. I am short, I am Indian, I'm an Englishman, I'm a Hindu, I'm a Christian. You are the I. 
So this knowledge of Vedanta helps us to remove that conditioning and understand that we are not this conditioned consciousness of being an Indian, being a man, being a woman. This conditioned consciousness that we believe ourselves to be. The I we use in life is actually our real personality. The unconditioned consciousness, the self. And this knowledge helps us to reveal the I, to get over the conditioning. To ultimately realize that one is God. This is the experience of self-realization, the highest experience. When you understand you are the I, you self-realize. So these four statements, they state that there is only one God and you are God. Our mission in life as a human being is to understand and realize this. The world is only an illusion, no substance. Created and caused by our own ignorance of the self. And we must overcome this illusion by realizing the truth, become one with God. That's the recap. There's a lot there. In a nutshell, that's basically the philosophy of Vedanta we just covered. Any questions? Can all make sense? Long-winded way of saying you are God. So we continue with uh, this theme, I am God, because even though after that explanation, we still believe we are not, and we find it difficult to comprehend. So we have to keep uh, forcing this message. So we come up to this topic of I am God, which carries on with the same theme. Any questions? Ravi, first paragraph, I am God. Sorry, I am God, but so are you all, yes? Ravi. I am God. The entire humanity uses this pronoun, I, to indicate one's individual personality, to mean either the waker, dreamer, or deep sleeper, but never to mean the real self, Atman. Everyone is hypnotized to believe oneself to be finite, limited being. In such a hypnotic state, it becomes extremely difficult to drive home the idea that you are not what you believe yourself to be, that you are the supreme self, that you are God. You reject the thought as absurd, something impossible. But the truth remains, you are God. You must realize the truth. Discover yourself. Same message. We're all hypnotized, it says. We're all hypnotized to believe we are this limited personality rather than God. We find it's absurd. How can I be God? I'm affected by everything and anything in the world. How can I be God? God is someone great. How can I be God? This is the problem. 
That's why we find it difficult to accept it. Any idea why? Why, why do we find it difficult to accept? Any idea? Take a guess, any idea? There's no specific answer, but just quit. what do you guys to think? Why do we find it difficult, Arunabin? I think it's because we're conditioned to think that God is something higher yeah. than us, and uh, we should aspire to that or pray to that. And there's a lot of conditioning. Conditioning, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Dharmesh, did you want to say something? I, I suppose if, if, we, if everyone is God, then if you see someone like Hitler, you think, could God really be that bad or evil? Yeah, good point. Anybody else? Anybody else? It's because we, are, we perform our humanly duties that we forget who we are. The distraction is bigger. As Arunabin said, we're hypnotized, yeah. as this paragraph said, and uh, attachment to the world, as we originally said. We find that our focus is so much on our limited personality, our body, mind, intellect, that sooner or later we forget. And the whole society, everyone believes God is something different from us. You have to go to a temple, a church, or mosque to find God. So we're conditioned, hypnotized. This is normal. This is how it is. And we just go along with it. All humans, they identify with their limited personality. They use the pronoun I to describe the individuality, but not to mean their self. I am a woman, I am a man. They, are, they use this term I, but without understanding what it means. I am Bella, I am Rajesh. You don't pay any emphasis on the I, you pay the emphasis on the, on the name, Bella and Rajesh, not on the I. When do you ever think, what's this I I'm using? No one's ever thought that. This is the problem. More emphasis on the conditioning. And also, we find it difficult to understand that we are this infinite, infinite self, God, and not this limited, finite person. That's why we're scared of death. Because we identify with a limited personality. I'm going to die. No, you're not going to die. Your body is going to die. In fact, that's a... I just use that term, I am going to die. That actually doesn't make sense because I doesn't die. You think about it, the I doesn't die. So that statement doesn't make sense. And we all hypnotize. For, for religion has hypnotized us. Our parents have hypnotized us. Our community has hypnotized us that we can't afford. <coughs> we rather be this limited personality 
that goes through the cycle of birth and death in the eternal self. And it's all due to ignorance, a lack of knowledge. So the truth is we are God and we must discover this truth. This is life's mission. Any questions? So the next time you use the word I, think about what you're saying. What is this I? Think about it for a minute. Ruby. The affirmation, I am God, is not the same as affirming I am Indian, I am bachelor, I am tall, etc. These statements are fundamentally different from declaring yourself to be God. The words Indian, bachelor, tall qualify the subject, I. Indian is one thing and I is quite another. So are the other qualifications, bachelor and tall, distinct from I. They are properties, attributes belonging to I, but the affirmation, I am God, conveys something different. The word God does not qualify I. God is not a property attributing, describing I. The statement, I am God, is not the same as I am Indian. The statement means I and God are one. I think when we state I am Indian, I am tall, I am Hindu, I am married, these are attributes of I. But when you say I am God, this is very different. God is not an attribute of I. This statement means I and God are one. I am God means the self in me is the same. Self in everyone. The Atman in me is part of Brahman. I and God are one. You see the difference? When you say I am Hindu, I am married, I am tall, I am short, disqualifies the I. It doesn't mean, it's, it's like it's part of I. But when you say, I, means I and God are one. I am God, very, very different. Does everyone understand that? Next, there's a next paragraph explains it a bit more better to get a better understanding. See, when you say I have a thousand pounds in my bank account, that's something you have, it's part of you. Yeah, it qualifies you as rich or poor, but it doesn't define you. And that's the difference. Let's have this next example. Examine the analogy of the rope and snake. A boy mistakes the rope for a snake. He is caught up in an illusion. He states the snake is six feet long, four inches thick, black in color. You declare the snake that he sees is just the rope. The statement of the boy is fundamentally different from yours. The boy's statement that the snake is six feet, four inches, 
and black is similar to the statement, I am Indian, I am bachelor, I am tall. The length, breadth and color are properties of the snake, but the word rope is not so. Rope is not a property of the snake. The rope is not separate from the snake. Snake is rope. They are one, the same. So too, when you declare I am God, it means I and God are one, the same. God is not an attribute, property. You are God, I am God. Brahman, the supreme reality. That gives you a better understanding of what that means. Does that make it more clearer, Dharmesh? Does it make it more clearer? See, when you say, you see a snake instead of a rope, it's an illusion, you see a snake when it's actually a rope. And you say the snake is four inches thick, black in color, six feet long. That is the same as saying, I am Indian, I am bachelor, I am tall, I am short. What describes the snake describes you. But someone else who knows the truth says, no, that's not a snake, it's a rope. The rope isn't an attribute of the snake. The snake is rope. It's just that you don't see the rope. You see the snake. Similarly, what they're saying is you and God are one. In the same, in the same way. When you say I am God, it means you and God are one. Just like the snake and rope is one. Subtle. You need to think about it. Does that make sense? The differentiation between the two. Does that make sense now? Yeah. I wear glasses. It's an attribute. You wear glasses. Yeah. That defines you. Okay, well, does that make sense? Yeah. But the difference is the properties and the reality. The reality is you are God. It's hard to take in because of that condition. Even after this class, you won't believe it. You'll carry on paying attention to the, to the limited personality because it takes time to absorb. So we'll try, we'll carry on trying. Ravi, next paragraph, please. What a hypnosis has overthrown the human mind. Every single individual in the world believes himself to be anything other than the reality. People consider themselves to be man or woman, good or bad, brilliant or dull, etc. None would even entertain the thought that one is God. And yet the stern reality remains that everyone is God. You are that eternal being, Brahman, not this assemblage of matter you have assumed yourself to be. Vedanta roars this truth that you are God, bids you pronounce the audacity, bids you pronounce this audacity, I am God, Aham Brahma Asmi. But the people of the world are timid, hesitant to admit the truth. They dread the thought of losing their individuality and this 
missed the idea, the very idea of a human as God. They would rather cling to the world and suffer. Strange but true. You denounce your intrinsic sovereignty and court slavery. Vedanta tirelessly appeals to your good sense to renounce your false life. Do not shy away from the truth of life. Hesitate no more. Get hold of the reality. Take charge of the kingdom within you. Be your sovereign self, the king of kings, the supreme lord. You have then gained all that is to be gained in life. There you go. This is our goal. We find it difficult to believe. It's difficult to accept. We'd rather be safe, be in the world and suffer than promote the reality, the truth. And this is the whole of what Vedanta is saying. You are God. Even the Mahabharata, the Bhagavad Gita, the whole emphasis Krishna tells Arjuna is, what are you worried about? You are God. Everyone is God. You're only killing the body, nothing else. So don't worry about it. So all these books are written to convince us this. But people don't want to believe this. They're going to lose the individuality. They don't want to, the fear of losing the individuality. You know who I am? I am the President of the United States. People don't want to, they, they're attached to the individuality, their personality. They don't, we cannot understand how a human can be God. We're happy in our ignorance to live in the world, suffer, than to discover who we really are. This is the problem. Even when you convey this knowledge, people say, how dare you say that? How can I be God? How can you be God? That's blasphemy. Some religions, they do that. How dare you say that? Get your head chopped off. But this is the truth that the sages are saying. The truth is the reality of life. And they're talking from experience. They're not making this up. They're talking from their own experience. Any questions? Is this a surprise to anyone? Joshnabit? Is this a surprise to anyone? This is the deep message. But we've been studying this for a while. We've been studying this for a while, so I guess we're getting accustomed to accepting that. Accepting that, yes. Yeah. Okay, well, the more you study, the more you read, the more you get to understand it. And the deeper you're you deeper you become established in the self. I'm not this body mind, I'm the self. Kel. I'm just thinking about this a bit. Um, in one of the one of the lines of the essays that um, that we we dismiss the, uh, the very idea of human as God. But if we just take the composition of a human, right? So we said it's a body, mind, intellect, and the Atman. So 
based on all what we've been studying, we, we know the Atman is the, we say is the God component. The rest of it is sort of, I don't know, a vehicle or whatever you want to say it, right? It's, it's matter. Um, that same Atman component is in other living creatures as well, right? So a dog, a cat, whatever that might Everything. be. So are we also, so it's not only that the human is, is God, we're saying all other creatures are God as well, right? Everything is God. What is the snake? You see a snake instead of a rope. What is the snake? Is it a snake? No, it's a rope. It's a rope. We see the world instead of the self, Brahman. So everything in it is Brahman. One consciousness. But we choose to see everything different. Is the Atman in me the same as everyone else? Is the Atman in me the same as a dog, cat, animals? Is the Atman in me in Hitler? Yeah. We choose to differentiate because we're not established in the knowledge. But once you're established in the knowledge, you see nothing but the self. You only see the rope. You never see the snake. Does that make sense, Kill? What you're saying makes sense. Uh, it's still taking off. It will take some time to comprehend, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But when you get to that stage, that's when you self-realize. Until then, you'll always see a difference. Mm -hmm. He's a Christian. I'm a Hindu. He's black. I'm white. He's tall. I'm short. He's got hair. I'm bald. You'll see the differences. But after a while, you'll see everyone as Atman Brahman. And that's the journey. When you get to that stage, you're self-realized. The identification. What was the first statement? What was the first statement? Statement of fact. Brahman is consciousness, one pure consciousness, and that, that's what you are, that thou art. So just to understand that, we have to go through all this studying. Is that okay, Joe? But you're right, absolutely right. This is the journey. Any other questions? Okay, so there's an example given of what we must do. We need faith. Ravi. In the Old Testament, Moses is said to have fallen into this state of slavery. Walking in Mount Sinai, he encountered a serpent and trembled at the sight of it. Just then he heard a voice say, hold that serpent. It was said to be the voice of God. Moses hesitated. The voice insisted he get hold of it. He plunged and held the serpent. Instantly, the serpent turned into a staff, and the staff worked miracles. Moses touched the rock with the staff, and fresh water gushed forth from it. 
when the Israelites were fleeing for safety, the Red Sea stood in their way. He again used the staff. No sooner his staff touched the sea, than the waters parted and dry land appeared before them. The Israelites passed into safety. This example is given how difficult it is to leave your attachments and identify with yourself. It's as difficult as trying to hold on to a live serpent. This is what they're saying. But you need to have faith. See, Moses had faith. The voice said, hold on to the serpent. He was scared. Similarly, we're saying you're not this body, mind, intellect, this personality. You are God. Get hold of the self. Get to the self. Get this knowledge. But you need that faith. That, cutting, that courage that Moses had to be able to hold on to the serpent. Similarly, we need that encouragement, that knowledge, that faith to say yes. That conviction to say yes, I am the self and that is my goal in life. That's how difficult it is to give up. It's like trying to hold on to a life serpent. I mean, these messages we're giving are messages from God. What's God saying? You're not this personality. You're the self. But some of you may feel, well, hang on, I can't give all this up. We're not asking anyone to give up anything. We know human beings can't give anything up. It's very difficult. It's a mental detachment. mental detachment you don't need to tell anyone you don't need to do anything different just set, change our sense of values we value everything that is unreal changing fleeting we need to value what is permanent which is the self our true personality just change our focus, change our values. As soon as we put our goal, we put the right value to the self as our goal in life. Right now our goal is becoming rich or becoming healthy or becoming fit or whatever your goal is, getting your children married. Change that focus to, I want to discover the self within me. And if we fix that, the self as our goal to reach that state, then everything else loses its value. It loses its value. That doesn't mean you become any different as a person. That doesn't mean you say, hey, children, get married to whoever you want. I'm not interested. That doesn't mean that. Yeah. You just change your focus in life. Right now, our focus, our goal is name, fame, wealth. Change that to gaining the truths of life, becoming one with the self. You're not affected by anything then. Anything materially, everything in the world, you're not affected by any of it. That's the difference. Just by changing your focus, you're not affected by anything. Everything loses its value. You may still want to earn more. 
for a better life, but get a bigger house, get your children married. But your goal, your focus in life is something higher. I want to find out who I am. What is this I? I need to find this out. But we become fearful of the unknown. What if all this is nonsense? What if this person is brainwashing me? What if, what if? And we give up. You need to have that conviction. Look, you've all lived life. You're all living life. We already said many times we're living in one of the best countries in the world. We have everything to, we everything we need. Yeah. And you all experience. People dream of a life like what we we have in this country. People dream of it. You know, so many people are coming into this country for a better life. We already have that, but we're not content still. We still want more. That will never change until you change your focus to this. This is what they're saying. Until you change your focus to this, that will never change. Until your deathbed, it won't change. Any questions? But you need that faith, conviction. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, you just said about, okay, um, you should, you can continue to make, you know, make more money if it needs that you want to provide a better life for your children. There. But isn't that going to lead to increasing desires? And as it is, we're living like a parallel life, it seems to me. On the one hand, we're saying you focus on the self and that should be your ultimate goal. Along with that, we're doing our duties in every which way we can mm -hmm. uh, to our children, our family, our work, whatever it is. Yeah. So I, I think it's about, so I, it was, I was thinking about this, that, you know, we fo our focus is that we are God, realize that. Then isn't it, then we should live, live those qualities through our lives. If we don't do that, then we're not going to, because we have to, carry out our duties. So maybe we carry out our duties in a way which is less selfish, less, you know, focus. And through that, we can get to the self and to God rather than, you know, separating the two and saying, it's really hard. It's a big task anyway, you know, to, to realize the self and God in us. So I think through our actions and deeds and words, maybe, you know, kind of weaving it through our life. Absolutely. You've answered your own question. It's difficult, not impossible. But the question where you said, then how can we be earning more money? It depends on what you do with the money. It depends on why you're earning that money. See, people earn money because they just want more money. They have, they have lots of money in the bank already, but they don't know anything else. The focus in life from young is to earn money and that's it. Nothing else. You know, I've only got 909, I've only got 900 million, 9 million. I need to get to 10 million. I've only got 9,000, I need to get to 10,000. The rich people are saying, I've only got 999 million, but I need to get to 1 billion. When does it stop? There is no other goal. There's no other focus. 
So you can earn more money because you, it's in your capacity to earn. That's not a problem. We're not saying don't. But where the emphasis only is on earning money, your now emphasis is on, I need to realize the self. I need to realize God. I need to fulfill my life purpose as a human being. Where does the focus of money come in after that? You're still going to work in earning money. I see what you mean. It's a capacity to earn anyway. If you're already at that point, then after that, it becomes about what you do with that money. Exactly. Right. Okay. Your focus is no longer on money. You'll come to a stage where saying, okay, I've got enough. I don't need more. Let me focus more on my studies and my uh, finding out the truth. So you might go to an ashram and stay for a couple of weeks, you know, to help you in your journey. Things like that. You're, the whole focus shifts, but you're still doing everything. You're doing your responsibilities, fulfilling your responsibilities to your children, your partner, taxman, to everyone. <laughs> Can't run away from that. Still got to pay your taxes. Those are your responsibilities. Is that okay? Yeah. It's subtle. You won't understand it until you change your focus. Any other questions? You really need to think, establish yourself, be, con be convinced this is my role in life. Then you will do it. And that's what, that, that shift is what takes time. That conviction. Roy. Similarly, the inner voice bids you to drop your ego and regain your supreme self but you are terrified at the thought of discarding your individuality, your personal identity, mortified to leave the comforts of the known and plunge into the unknown. You would rather indulge in the pleasure of your senses than trade on the treasure of the self. Your inherent ignorance is the cause of your trepidation. You must get over this ignorance and gain the knowledge of self embolden yourself to overcome the ego, plunge into the self fearlessly, smoother, smother your selfishness, assert your divinity, your supreme self unfolds itself. You become the supreme Lord. That's how you do it. We don't need to give up anything in life, first of all. Remember, yeah? Don't have to give up anything. You are who you are. I don't want any of your bank balance or nothing. Yeah, you keep everything. You still carry on doing what you're doing, enjoying life, whichever way that suits you. Go on holiday, whatever you do. But with an awareness that you are self, you are God. And that, my goal in life is to reach that state of oneness, become one with Brahman through knowledge. That helps you, the knowledge helps you to drop your ego. What's your ego? What is your ego in this sense? What is your ego in this sense? What do you drop? 
when you say drop your ego, any idea? You're ignorant. You're huh? ignorance. Ignorance. So the knowledge will get rid of the ignorance. Yeah. And when you gain the knowledge, you remove that ignorance. And that helps you drop your ego, which is your Carol? Your identification in the material world. Identification of the material world with your body, mind, and intellect. This is your body, mind, intellect that attaches to the world. As you gain knowledge, I am the self. I'm not this body, mind, and intellect. Your ego drops. Your emphasis changes. You're no longer worried about how you look, about your bank balance. You're not worried about your status in your community, your status in life. You're not worried about anything. Your focus is clear. And one of the ways of achieving this is to practice unselfishness. Any idea why unselfishness helps you drop your ego? What do we all do? Any idea? You're not focusing on yourself. Thank you, Jashnabin. When you're thinking of your husband, you're no longer thinking of yourself. <laughs> Practicing unselfishness. The minute you think of yourself, you're being selfish. Once again, it's just an awareness. The minute you think of others, you're no longer thinking of yourself. When you're not thinking of yourself, your ego subdues. Practice it. The more unselfish you are, the greater the development in you. You look at great uh, saints, you'll see one quality in all of them. They were always there for others rather than themselves. Practicing unselfishness, because they realize this. Any questions? So next next section is really, really interesting of how God behaves in us. You know, there's different qualities of people. Someone mentioned Hitler. Someone mentioned uh, a saint. Yeah, I said saint. But how does, if, if the self is in all of us, how does it manifest in these different ways? It's very, very interesting. But I will rather take it fresh because uh, I won't do it justice. And I don't think you'll all absorb it in the way I want you to absorb it. Um, so I'd rather take that fresh. So I'll, I'll just read this next paragraph. You gain some idea of what you really are, how God operates by studying an amazing similarity between God and petrol. God, the supreme self functions in beings in the same way as petrol in motor vehicles. And we give this comparison. It's very interesting. So we're going to do that next week because I'll rather give it the full impact. So if there's any general questions or anybody wants to ask, we've got 10 minutes.
This is a deep topic. The self, we're discussing something so subtle. Any general topic? Someone would like to ask a question? I can, I'm, I'm even, yes, I remember. I just was curious about, uh, we, we believe, like, because we're studying Aditya Shankaracharya and Bhattasarati, that God is within us. Mm -hmm. Why do the others believe that God is not in them and that it's something that's external? See, when you say others, who do you mean? Uh, so we are saying, I think it's dualism and non-dualism and yeah. you know, those studies and different schools of thoughts. Yeah. So by that, that's what I mean. See, we have to remember that this knowledge has been given out in its purity in the Upanishads by these great sages who had these experiences. Yeah? Does everyone agree with me? The Upanishads are accounts of great sages who have experienced that oneness. And then they've said, this is how it is. You read the Upanishad, it tells you how what self the experience of self-realization is. Now, someone reads that. When they read that, they put their own aspect, their own idea on that. This is what I think it means. They haven't experienced it. Their mind, their intellect is interpreting what that means. So different people's minds and intellects interpretate it differently. You have to decide which one I, I identify with. Dualism, monoism, etc. And you'll find different people will go with different thoughts. We're studying Sankacharya's, Adi Shankacharya, and his thoughts are, we are one. And that's what we're following. But someone might think this is rubbish and go to some and follow uh, 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 someone who's saying, no, we and God are different. We cannot be God. These are just different thoughts. And this is philosophy. Everybody's thoughts are different. But funny enough, the knowledge is pure and it comes from the same source, these different interpretations. I was thinking about humility. Is it because then they feel that God is someone that's above us and that we, we have to, in a sense, practice humility and that we are not on par with God, whereas with us, by us saying we are all, all as well God, I mean, it, it, it takes a while to kind of accept that, isn't it? And I'm not talking about yeah. conditioning. It's just the fact that with humility, you know, you, you, you think and somehow God is meant to be more, you know, in a way more powerful or guiding us with more knowledge, with all of those things. But that's up to you, no? Mm. That's up to you, what you want. This, the whole idea is to move your focus. But if you're attached to the world, how is it possible? Your five senses, your body, your mind, your intellect, everything's attached to the world. How difficult it is to move that focus away from that when everything goes against you. You see how difficult it is. People go to the Himalayas, live in a cave, so they can get away from those attachments. We can't do that. But as we said, even if we get a small part of this knowledge, it changes your life.
It changes your life for the better. It gives you clarity. It allows you to be objective in your own personality and say, what am I doing? Why am I here? What's my purpose? He answers those questions. Those are million dollar questions. No one can answer that. Only you. So it gives you that clarity. In fact, you know, you just said, basically you just said to me, how can we be God? We're a limited being. This is what, in a nutshell, what you've just said to me. Yeah. The next power, next chapter says actually the opposite. It talks about the power we have within us, but we're not aware of it. it talks about seed. Seed turns into an apple, uh, into a tree. Tree produces apple. You take one apple, there's another 20 seeds in it. You take one seed and you plant it. What happens? Another tree grows. There another, how many apples on that tree? Now in that one seed, how much power is that? And we just say, oh, it's just a seed. Now, how much power is in that? Now, you tell me, where does that power come from? You have two children. They get married, they have children. Their children get married, they have children. Where does that power come from? And you're saying you're a limited person. You see what I mean? Take it for granted, that's why. Now, where did that power come from? But we're not aware of it. That's the reason. It's okay, Robin. Any other questions? Ramesh, you okay? Okay. We will reconvene next week. We'll talk about how God manifests in us and why there's so many different people in the world, different beings, good and bad and so on. Great. See you all next week. <laughs>